Well, hello there, Internet friends. I'm Glenn, and welcome to the Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. And this is Linda. We're here at Faith Productions Recording Studio, all remodeled in Lexington, Kentucky. And we're glad to have you here with us. Indeed we are. Grab your seat over next to the fireplace where it's nice and warm. Sit back in that recliner and make yourself comfortable as we share today's podcast. Some of you are out driving while listening to our program. And you folks be careful and watch your driving. Our song this week is sung by, was sung by our grandparents as they went about their day's work in the fields and they're beloved by all of, of those throughout history. Rock of Ages is our hymn, and it goes, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal nor respite know, could my tears forever flow, all the sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul it to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. While I don this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Now, Glenn, please play for Gibbon's version of Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages Cleft for me Let me Make me pure. 
Montague, the author of Rock of Ages, was born at Farnham, Surrey, November the 4th, 1740. His father was an officer in the British Army. His mother was a woman of remarkable piety. He prepared for the university at Westminster School and subsequently was graduated at Trinity College in Dublin. While on a visit in Ireland in his 16th year, he was awakened and converted at a service held in a barn in Cody, Maine. The text was Ephesians 2.13, but nigh by the blood of Christ. The bl- preacher was a literate but warm-hearted layman named Morris. In 1758, through the influence of sermons preached by Dr. Manton on the 17th chapter of John, he became an extreme Calvinist in his theology which brought him later into conflict with Mr. Wesley and the Methodists. He was adorned to the ministry in the Church of England in 1762, and in 1768 he became vicar of Broadhambury, a small living in Devonshire, which he held until his death. The last two or three years of his life he passed in London, where he preached in a chapel on Orange Street. His last sickness was of such a character that he was able to make a repeated and emphatic dying testimony. A short time before his death, he asked his physician what he thought. The reply was that his pulse showed that his heart was beating weaker every day. Top Lady replied with a smile, Why, that is a good sign that my death is fast approaching. And blessed be God, I can add that my heart beats stronger and stronger 
every day for glory. To another friend, he said, Oh, my dear sir, I cannot tell you the comforts I feel in my soul. They are past expression. My prayers are all converted into praise. He died of consumption August 11, 1778. His volume of songs and hymns for the public and private worship were published in 1776. Of the 419 hymns which it contained, several were his own productions. Rock of Ages is a Christian hymn written by Augustus Toplady with music by Thomas Hastings. This very personal hymn uses pronouns such as I and me rather than we and our, focusing on individual salvation. Legend says that Toplady wrote the hymn during a stormy incident in England. While traveling along the gorge, he was caught in a fierce storm and took shelter in a gap in the gorge where he wrote the original lyrics. Some disagree on whether the event actually occurred. Nevertheless, the rock is now marked with a plaque that reads Rock of Ages. This rock derives its name from the well-known hymn written about 1762 by the Reverend A.M. Toplady, who was inspired while sheltering in this cleft during the storm. Toplady had an interest in religion during his younger years and showed this in spiritual journals and moralistic behavior. However, it wasn't until his 15th year, while attending a Methodist revival in an Irish-born, that he felt brought nigh to God. It was at this point that he determined to go into ministry. Having been converted under Methodism, Toplady initially aimed to become a Methodist minister. This changed, however, when he began to consider more closely the distinctions between Arminism and Calvinism. The Methodist movement was decidedly Arminian, and Toplady, as an offspring of that movement, initially adopted that understanding. But as Lewis Benson writes, after he studied the 39 Articles of the Church of England, he became convinced of the Calvinistic perspective and thus became a minister in the Church of England. Top Lady died in 1778, aged 38, from tuberculosis. He never married. His life and ministry were short, and he certainly had his share of flaws. But God was pleased to use him to write a hymn that would so powerfully communicate the gospel and encourage the saints that his name and story have been preserved to this day. Toplady wrote a number of hymns in his life, but Rock of Ages is by far his most famous. When Benson wrote about it in 1923, he claimed it is today in more church hymnals than is in any other English hymn. As Benson persuasively argues, Toplady was most likely inspired to write the hymn after reading the preface of John and Charles Wesley's hymns on the Lord's Supper in 1745, which contains a prayer voicing many of the themes and words that are also found in the hymn. This is ironic, given the poor condition of Toplady's relationship with John Wesley, but one can perhaps see the hand of God in it, regardless of where and how Toplady got his inspiration the hymn is a blessing. For generation, it has remained a solid testimony to the powerful sacrifice of our Savior 
and a great encouragement to saints around the world. May God continue its influence and grant us many more songs with such enduring legacies. Augustus Montague Top Lady, the writer of Rock of Ages Cleft for Me, was born in England in 1740 and died there from tuberculosis in 1778. Top Lady used Rock of Ages as an enduring term for God. Christ's blood from his death as the forgiveness for our sins is the theme in stanza one. Stanza two focuses on the idea that we can never repay him for that sacrifice. Baptism is the theme of stanza three. Stanza four climaxes with the eschatological focus, asking for mercy as we face death. Virtual references are all paraphrases. He cites Exodus 33:22, for instance, When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And Psalms 18:2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. British hymnologist J.R. Watson suggests that perhaps the hymn owes the most to 1 Corinthians 10.4, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Julian, a hymnologist in 19th century England, declares Rock of Ages as one of the most well-known of English hymns. Thomas Hastings' musical setting, Top Lady, will be the one we sing for the life of the hymn. Written in a four-port harmony, Top Lady can be sung with piano, organ, or a cappella. Hastings lived in New York and was an advocate with Lowell Mason for music education and singing schools. Rock of Ages Cleft for Me paints a vivid picture of one who seeks refuge in a rock divide. Christ, like the cleft of the rock, is our shelter from the deluge of sin's guilt and power. In the lyrics of this hymn, the author Augustus Toplady reveals his need for a Savior and clings to the cross of Christ. What do the lyrics to Rock of Ages mean? The line is, Rock of Ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. So figuratively, Christ is a solid, immovable, steady, unchanging rock and has something to do with being cleft or cleaved on for me. So there's a split in the rock that I can hide in. According to his diaries, Augustus Toplady had a spiritual awakening at the age of 16. During this time, as he was studying the Word of God and hearing sermons, he felt a calling to do God's work. He began to write poetry and songs. He published a book, Poems on Sacred Subjects, in 1759 at the age of 19. This was the beginning of a prolific period during which Top Lady wrote many poems and hymns. He was ordained minister in the Church of England in 1762 and would serve at four different churches over the course of his life. Though Top Lady was bright and dedicated, he was known to be arrogant and argumentatively, argumentative. <laughs> Reverend Toplady spent the last several years of his short life as a minister at Brownhambury. He died in 1778 at the age of only 38. His cause of death was consumption, 
The disease known today is tuberculosis. The tune for Top Lady's text was composed in 1830 by a well-known American church musician, Thomas Hastings. Hastings was the first musician of sacred music to dedicate his life to the task of elevating and improving the music of the churches in this country. Despite the fact that he was an albino and afflicted with an eye problem, Hastings wrote no less than 50 volumes of church music, including a thousand hymn tunes and more than 600 original hymn texts. God in his providence has chosen to preserve this hymn for the past 200 years so that congregations of believers can sing this hymn with spiritual profit and blessing. As a teenager, Augustus Toplady was at a Methodist revival service in a barn in Ireland when he felt the Lord calling to him. He gave his life to Jesus in a call to ministry and sought to become a Methodist minister. As he furthered his studies, he found himself far more in agreement with Calvinistic salvation theology than an Armenian stance held by Methodist leaders John and Charles Wesley. His adult years were marked by feuds with the Wesleys over the doctrine of salvation and election, sometimes taking unfortunately slanderous turns. It seems far more likely that a top lady penned this hymn as a response to a hymn of the Wesleys, which appeared in the collection hymns on the Lord's Supper, which opens with Rock of Israel cleft for me. Themes and language throughout that hymn, and indeed the entire collection, mirror the words that Top Lady wrote, through, though Top Lady's hymn came decades after. Parts of the hymn were first published in the periodical The Gospel Magazine in 1775, where Top Lady was the third editor. The Gospel Magazine is an English publication still in print today, continuing the work outlined in their original mission statement, the uncompromising declaration of the gospel of free grace, both in belief and in practice. It's so cool that the magazine is still in print today after hundreds of years and so many changes. Tuberculosis claimed the life of Top Lady at the young age of 38, just a few years after he published Rock of Ages. But this hymn keeps his legacy alive even today. It's not a novel idea that when we face the storms of life, we should want to find shelter and rest in the presence of the Lord. In fact, He loves us so much that when we face those storms, His arms are ready and open to provide that comfort. When we think about the storms of life, we often think about external forces, trial, tribulation, hardship. But there's another twist to that idea that the hymn reinforces. Sometimes the storm we need to shelter from is the turbulence of our own sin. Even in the first stanza, Top Lady doesn't cry out to hide in the rock from an external force, but from the wrath of God because of sin. Faced with God's goodness, our own sin condemns us. When Moses asked to see the glory of God on the mountain, God promised that the fullness of his own goodness would Passover mark Moses. Here's the catch. Man is too sinful to look fully upon the face of a pure God. That, that's a death sentence. So God placed Moses inside, what else? A cleft of rock in order to protect him from God's righteous retribution. 
The hand of God covered Moses and protected him from wrath. I find it interesting that that same hand that protects us from the, tri uh, from the trials and forces working against us in life is the same hand that protects us from God's own justice. The storms of life are plentiful and ever-present, but how we often, how often do we consider that our own sin and idolatry has caused many of these storms? It's easy it's easier to wonder why these things never seem to go our way and simply blame everyone else. Reality is that all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God as we read in Romans 3.23. So more than we need shelter from trial of tribulation, we need shelter from the result of our own sin. Where does that shelter come from? Only the rock of ages, Jesus Christ. There is nothing we can add to God's righteousness and nothing that can bring us to our own salvation. It's through Jesus Christ alone and the blood that flowed on the cross. Reflect on the storms and trials that you face. Let us give those struggles to God, especially when the storms result from our own disobedience. Our song, Rock of Ages, is about the foundation, unshakable. There is a rock of ages in a world filled with uncertainty and change. It's comforting to know that we have a steadfast and unchanging foundation in our Lord Jesus. The theme of this discovery holds profound lessons in our faith journey. What, we, what can we count on today? What is really rock solid? We live in a world with emphasis on self-preservation and Everyone is looking out for number one. The predominant question is, what's in it for me? The scriptures uh, do say in 1 Timothy 5, 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And... Of course, that implies looking out for oneself in that process, but something happens to the thought process when we realize our strength and care of the provider of all of our needs. We realize in Philippians 4, 6, God's Word says, Be anxious in nothing, but in everything thing by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. When a, real, when a believer realizes this and trusts God's word and believes it, it can change the way he thinks and acts. The symbolism of the rock throughout the Bible. We encounter this symbol and God says he is our rock. This symbolizes his unmovable nature, 
his reliability and his strength. In Psalm 18.2, David proclaims, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. refuge. God's nature is unchanging. The term rock of ages represents that unchanging nature of God in a word that constantly in a world that constantly shifts and changes God remains the same yesterday today and forever we read that in Hebrews 13:8 where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever we can rest assured that God is reliable just as rock solid and provides a secure foundation. Our God's refuge and strength always is ready to help us in times of trouble. As we read Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. You see, God is our source of strength and protection. God's strength is our shield and protector. When we build our life upon the rock of ages, we find safety in him and security in him. As we trust and believe him for our salvation, we also need to trust and believe him for meeting our needs. In our human condition, we find that in our life, we often face trials, storms, and challenges. And these difficulties can shake us to the core and leave us feeling vulnerable and helpless. The story of the wise and foolish builders in Matthew illustrates the importance of building our lives on a solid foundation of Christ. In Matthew 7, 24, 27 through 27, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it didn't fall, for it was founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these words saying of mine and does not do them will be likened to the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on the house and it fell. And great was its fall. That the foolish builder builds in Jesus' parable built a house on the sand, representing a foundation built on worldly values and, and temporary pleasures. When the storms come, his house collapses, signifying the instability of life without Christ, while the wise builder, on the other hand, built his house on the rock, symbolizing a foundation firmly rooted in faith in Christ. Now when the storm comes, his house stood firm because it was built on an unsta- uh, built on the unchanging rock of ages. 
Notice, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is the victorious one. One who does not ends up in the failure. See, there is a call to action here on our part. There must be a belief that results in action of our faith to be effective. When we build our lives on a rock, just how do we build our lives on that rock of ages? First and foremost, we must place our faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith is the cornerstone of our foundation. Trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Savior is the first step in building our lives on the rock. In our previous podcast, we've been discussing just how to get closer to our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. In our prayer life in Scripture, and regularly communicating with God through prayer and studying His Word, it strengthens our connection to Him and deepens our foundation and our trust and faith. Next, is our obedience doing God what tells us what God tells us to do is an important thing we cannot expect God to help us if we are not obedient when we realize that we have done something we shouldn't we should ask forgiveness he's faithful and for and and just to forgive us when we ask him And when we obey his commandments, following his guidance in all aspects of our lives ensures that we remain firmly anchored on this rock. Next, find a church and become part of that community. Being a a part of a supportive Christian community provides strength, encouragement, during life storms, we can lean on one another as we walk this faith journey together. Finding support in times of need and providing support to others fulfills us in God's purpose for our lives. What one of us cannot do, all of us together with God can. Find a Bible-believing and preaching church and be part of it. For those of you living in the area where I live, Lexington, Kentucky area, I recommend Broadway Baptist Church to you, where you'll find a faithful staff of people and a church family that loves God and each other and provides an opportunity for a life full of godly activities to fill your life with the joy and worship of our community, in our community. In these times of our life, when events of life bring us down to an unbelievable low, you know, in my personal life, I've been there. When I lost my son, He was 39, and I lost him to cancer. I personally visited this place, a a place of tremendous hopelessness and loss. 
when I had a septic meningococcal blood infection, they gave me a 20% chance to live. Pain and agony engulfed me, and it controlled my every thought. Finding hope in the rock was essential to my existence. In this world filled with trials and suffering and uncertainty, the rock of ages offers us our only hope and comfort. We can delve deeper into how we find hope in our unsinkable foundation. There is redemption and forgiveness at the rock of ages because he is our redeemer. And through his sacrifice on the cross, Jesus offered us forgiveness and hope of eternal life. When we place our trust in him, we experience the transforming power of his love and grace. At times, when we stray even, if it's not intentional, but just happens to the lack of attention or neglect in the certain areas of our life, we need a course correction in our direction. You know, God allows things to come into our lives and gets our attention. Please, I don't mean to imply that this is always the case, but sometimes we just need things to help us grow in Christ. And he lets us know what we can do in our lives through that experience. In any case, there's healing and restoration for us. The Bible tells us God is our healer. The Bible tells us in Exodus 15:26, he said, If you diligently heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who healed you. When we face physical emotion and spiritual brokenness, we can turn to the rock of ages for healing and restoration. He mends our wounds and restores us to wholeness. We can find peace in troubled times. In our times of turmoil and anxiety, the Bible said, we have this, the rock of ages, providing us the peace that surpasses all understanding. In Philippians 4, 7, we read, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, we surrender our fears and anxiety to him. We find solace in his presence. There's an important truth in that, that we find our strength in our weakness. The Apostle Paul wrote, When I am weak, then I am strong. In 2 Corinthians 12.10, 
rock of ages empowers us to overcome the challenges with his strength. Our call as Christians is to build our lives on that rock. Building our lives on the rock of ages is not a one-time event, (laughs) but a lifelong journey. It requires dedication, commitment, daily choice to trust God's unwavering love and guidance. It requires daily surrender. It's so important to daily to surrender our plans and worries and ambitions to the just Jesus, Rock of Ages. In doing so, we acknowledge our dependence on him and allowing him to to lead us. When we walk in faith of a life anchored in Christ, it means walking in faith, not by sight. As in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, We may not always understand God's plan, but we trust in his goodness and sovereignty. As we come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and we grow in faith, we cultivate in us what we find that sharing the rock with others becomes a part of our new nature. We have learned how terribly real the place of hell is, and when we stop to realize the incredibility of eternity, our hearts begin to break for those caught in the life of destruction and never come to Christ. And they go out into eternal, everlasting torment of hellfire. If we have the love of Christ in us, it compels us to share that wonderful gospel news with the hope of salvation found in the rock of ages with others. By sharing this gospel and demonstrating Christ's love, we invite others to build their lives on the same unforgivable foundation. In our old nature, we didn't care about about it, but in our new nature, we can't help but care. Which nature do you carry? Does your nature compel you to share the good news with those you don't, who don't understand it? This is what James meant when he said, Faith without works is dead. He is saying faith that does not produce action is useless and is dead faith and is not real saving faith. If you find yourself in this condition, maybe you should examine yourself in God's word, in the light of God's word. Now, I'm not saying it works saves us, but I am saying that true faith produces salvation, produces a loving heart that cares for the lost and eternal, internally dying people. 
that live in sin without regeneration. When we get saved, we understand our lostness, what our lostness was. We have experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ, and we want to share it. As we reflect on this theme of the Rock of Ages, I pray we may be reminding of its unchanging, reliable, and strong foundation we have in Jesus Christ. Let us commit ourselves to build our lives upon him, seeking refuge and strength in his unwavering love and grace. When the storms of life come, we can know that our rock is eternal and in him we find ultimate security and salvation. We can be inspired to build our lives on that unchanging faith and reliability and strong foundation in Jesus Christ. In him we find redemption, healing, peace, strength. Let's daily surrender ourselves to him, trusting that in every storm and challenge, God remains unshakable. As we build our lives on the rock of ages, we can hope and separate ourselves to his love. May the rock of ages be our refuge and strength, now and forevermore, and share this reality with others that need it. I firmly believe Jesus Christ is coming soon. He is faithful to all these things, he says. Yes, I am coming soon. Amen, Lord Jesus. We read that in Revelations 22, 20. I earnestly pray you are in this promise. And Jesus is coming soon and May you put it in an urgent place in your life. I pray it reminds you to share the love of Jesus with everybody you meet. And let's look forward to that great day with anticipation when we see our Savior face to face. My prayer for you today is you share this experience with your Lord in Jesus, Savior and Master. If you do not yet know the Lord, you too can have this treasure and experience it first, but you must you must first accept him as your Lord and Savior. He's saying to you, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. knock. Just open the door and let him come in. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and trespassing. Invite him to be your Lord and Savior. Follow him. Let him have control of your life. Let him guide you and direct you in the way of happiness, joy, 
and this amazing new life. He loves you. He has demonstrated his love for you with his death and suffering on the cruel cross of Calvary, where he took upon your sins, took them upon himself and suffered your eternal punishment for your wrongdoings. He literally suffered your hell because he loves you. If you'd like to talk to me a little more about this, I'm available to you. You can write me at my email at glendawson at twc.com or glenn at saxonmusic.com. God has been gracious to allow us this podcast, and we are thankful for this. Even though we did not ask anyone for money, we have had help from our audience. When our songs are played, we receive a small streaming royalty of five cents. So we want to say thank you for listening to our songs. We appreciate that. As you listen to our music while you are traveling or working around the house, or whatever you are doing, we trust you enjoy the music and pray it's a spiritual blessing to you. Remember, you are helping keep our ministry going just by listening. If you don't have a streaming service already, you can listen to our music for free. Just sign in on YouTube at the channel youtube.com forward slash at We Are Forgiven. You can listen to our songs there. You know, we have almost 180 songs that are there to listen to. Some are on our YouTube channels there, and you can listen to them there too. If you have Alexa or Echo, just say, play the music with Glenn Dawson and listen as long as you like for free. If you're not getting our newsletter, go to our website at glennedawsonea.com and click on newsletter. Well, folks, that concludes our, our podcast this week, and we'll see you again next week. Till then, God bless you, and remember, we, we love, love you. you. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.